Good evening, good afternoon, good morning to you, wherever you're tuning in from. Welcome to the first of our 2024 Neurology Journal Club webinars. Um, in these sessions, uh, as many of you know, we invite a rising star of the profession to discuss their recent publication and uh, bring it to life in their own words, giving you a chance to ask questions about the study as well at, at the end. I'm Simon Platt, and my colleague pulling the technology strings behind the scenes here is Dr. Laurent Grossi. Um, we are very grateful to Hallmark Veterinary Imaging for their sponsorship of this session. And today, we are honoured to welcome Dr. Yafanis Liatis. Please tell me I've got that very close. I apologise if not. Um, who tells us to call him Fanis, so that makes it easy on me. I think he's been kind on me. Uh, and Fanis is going to discuss his paper today on non-intentional head tremors in dogs. Um, so let me just introduce Fanis to you. Fanis uh, uh, graduated from Aristotle University of Thessaloniki. Is that okay? Is that close? Excellent. Fantastic. Okay. In Greece in 2015. Um, he did a one-year one internship in small animal internal medicine uh, at his alma mater. He then moved to the UK, uh, working as a general practitioner, and then did his neurology internships at Dick White Referrals, University of Glasgow, University of Edinburgh for over two and a half years. And he is currently a third-year resident in neurology and neurosurgery at the Royal Veterinary College in London. So shout out to the team at the RVC in London there. Um, so welcome, Fanis. Uh, thanks very much for um, giving up your time um, this this evening. Uh, we're really fascinated to hear more about your study. Um, and so I'm going to uh, hand over to you, if that's okay. Many thanks for inviting me. Um, if we can see the presentation now, Fanis. Can you? Perfect. Perfect. Many thanks for inviting me. Um, I hope you enjoy this um, very obscure topic. Um, so the title of the um, talk today is Idiopathic and Structural Episodic Non-Intentional Head Tremor in Dogs. It's a retrospective study. Um, we will start with the clinical sign. So this is a distinctive neurological sign with a specific phenotype. As you can see, and or, or as you know already, it occurs intermittently, uh, mainly at rest. Uh, doesn't get worse when aiming at an object. Um, actually, sometimes might stop when aiming at an object, which is completely contrast to the intention tremor that we know. Uh, and it can be directional, vertical, rotatory, or horizontal. Um, then we have the episodic non-intentional head tremor as a disease, and we actually know it from the idiopathic episodic head tremor, uh, which um, in several publications have been um, titled as idiopathic head tremor syndrome or head bobbing. Uh, this is a disease that we see in specific breeds that are, they are overrepresented. For example, we might remember Dobermans or we might remember Bulldogs. Um, these studies have already suspected the potential genetic background, although it's not proved yet. Um, and then there are two case reports that they have found this acute onset episode head tremor at the same time with other neurological signs in dogs with a pituitary mass. Um, this study uh, was uh, having a name to describe the signalment, semiology, MRI findings, and outcome of dogs with the sign of episodic head tremor. Um, we hypothesized that the dogs with lesions affecting the middle cranial fossa, including thalamus, interthalamic adhesion, and ventricle, or mesencephalic aqueduct, could manifest um, a structural episodic head tremor. 
Um, this study, as I said before, is a multi-center retrospective study, um, uh, studying from 2010, ending 2022, um, had an ethical approval. Uh, the inclusion criteria was complete medical records, clinical features consistent with episodic head tremor, with the features that we mentioned before, um, and MRI of the brain in all of the cases. The statistical analysis was mainly descriptive, having univariate and multivariate analysis as well. So in the first group with idiopathic episodic head tremor, um, we had 71 dogs, 59.1% males, 40.8% uh, females. Uh, the median age at onset of the neurological signs, um, which actually was the episodic head tremor in that case, was almost two years old. Um, breeds that overrepresented were English bulldogs and crossbreeds, but actually there was a variety of multiple breeds after them. Um, neurological exam was uh, unremarkable with a little asterisk that some of the dogs, uh, four of them, um, came uh, to us because of um, idiopathic epilepsy and uh, epileptic seizures, and therefore they had postictal signs at the time of the examination. However, based on history and video recordings, episodic head tremor was a historical finding at them. Um, MRI of the brain and CSF analysis in these dogs was unremarkable, um, and treatment was actually pursued in 59.1% of, uh, sorry, treatment did not um, start in 59.1% of them. Uh, all dogs survived to discharge, and 80%, actually 8 out of 10 of the owners that responded in their survey, uh, reported that by the time the episodic head tremor decreased or uh, completely ceased. Uh, the quality of life in these dogs was reported as excellent for all of the owners that responded to the survey, between 9 and 10 out of 10. In the second group of the structural episodic head tremor, um, we had 29 dogs, 55.2% of males, 44.8% of females. Uh, the median age at onset of the whole bunch of neurological signs was almost 7 years old. Uh, the breeds that were overrepresented were French Bulldogs and Crossbreeds, but as I said, similarly to the other group, there were a variety of breeds after um, the Crossbreeds. Um, the Neurexam uh, was important because 93.1% of them had accompanying neurological signs, including abnormal mentation, which was the most common, um, then postural reaction deficits, uh, cranial nerve deficits, circling, and paresis. Um, interestingly, two dogs had uh, episodic head tremor as the only sign. However, they developed accompanying neurological signs later, around 15 to 30 days um, after the initial presentation. Um, and in none of the structural episodic head tremor dogs, um, the episodic head tremor had been reported previously in the history. So it was like um, one of the clinical signs that uh, manifested along with the other neuroscience for which the dog presented to us. Uh, Feature-wise, um, I have to pay attention to the fact that the phenotype was completely identical uh, between the idiopathic and the structural um, groups. Uh, actually, 68.2% uh, of the idiopathic and 82% of the um, structural, uh, the tremor could be distracted by calling the dog or showing a little toy or something like that. Um, in both of them, there, there was a direction. Um, the most popular ones were horizontal and vertical in both groups. Rotatory or changing directions uh, was a bit uh, more rare. Um, in most of them, the consciousness um, was present, uh, and in the rest, the owners were unsure. 
Um, the main difference between the groups was that um, the episodic head tremor was reported more non-progressive as per frequency in the idiopathic group, whilst for the structural group, um, the owners uh, mentioned that uh, it was more progressive uh, as per the frequency. Uh, and in the idiopathic group, some triggers like stress or exercise were mentioned, whilst none of triggers were reported in the structural group. Um, here we can see some features of um, the phenotype. We can see the episodic head tremor uh, that can be distracted initially um, by putting the hand on the head. Shortly, we are going to see this more violent tremor that is rotatory in this um, little bulldog. Uh, so even if it is a bit more high frequency, it was still having the same phenotype and was stopping. Same with this bulldog, a vertical uh, episodic head tremor. And this was a structural episodic head tremor uh, secondary to an MUO um, that was stopped by the little treat. Um, then we found, um, we did the MRI as well in this group, and lesion localization was consi consistent with the middle cranial fossa lesion, 51.7%, the most common, uh, followed by multifocal, um, with 75% of them including the thalamus, uh, cerebral cortex, 10.3%, brainstem, 6.9%, and um, uh, fourth ventricle, 3.5%. The main MRI findings included the middle cranial fossa mass, 34.5%, uh, then T2 and flare hyperintense lesions in the midbrain, in the thalamus, less likely in the pons, and uh, less likely in the rostral medulla oblongata, um, then a cerebrocortical mass, 13.8%, uh, and then one case with a fourth ventricular mass. Um, common findings in the MRI was this mesencephalic aqueduct compression found in the 65.5% of the dogs. Uh, and a second finding was the compression or displacement of the third ventricle or interthalamic adhesion, 48.2% of the cases. Um, underlying diseases uh, in these dogs was a pituitary mass in 37.9%, um, minigoencephalitis of unknown origin in 27.6%, uh, a forebrain mass in 13.8%, congenital brain malformation 6.9%, and one case of uh, infectious minigoencephalitis, hypertension encephalopathy, brainstem glioma, and fourth ventricular mass. Um, regarding the outcome, 55.2% of the dogs survived to discharge, uh, whilst 44.8% of them were euthanized um, because of the severity of the disease. Um, for the long-term outcome, unfortunately, 50% of dogs were lo lost to, to long-term follow-up, um, and therefore we didn't really have enough information in order to characterize any potential response to any treatment. Um, however, we had a little group, uh, the group of the meningoencephalitis, um, that had complete remission of the episodic head tremor as soon as they were treated. Uh, one was euthanized, but all the rest were treated. Um, from the statistical analysis, we found some interesting information. Dogs with structural episodic head tremor were more likely to have accompanying neurological signs and were older at the onset of the clinical signs um, and presentation, comparing to the idiopathic group. 
Um, dogs with structural episodic hair tremor were more likely to be euthanized at the time of diagnosis, which kind of makes sense. Um, and in the multivariate analysis, only the presence of accompanying neurological signs other than the episodic head tremor um, in dogs uh, with structural episodic head tremor remained statistically significant. Discussion. Uh, I would like to start with the bobblehead doll syndrome in humans. Um, this is a very interesting disease of humans, especially children, uh, which is characterized by obstruction of the communication between the third ventricle and the mesencephalic aqueduct. Um, multiple etiologists have been blamed for this, but the most common in babies is the third ventricular or supracellular arachnoid cyst. Uh, also, congenital aqueductal stenosis, communicating hydrocephalus, rare cases of malfunctioning sons or ventricular tumors have, all, have already been uh, reported as well in humans. We can see here a video from this particular paper. Obviously, the phenotype doesn't share 100% the same phenotypic features with dogs, uh, and it varies among, among um, children. And here we can see the third ventricular cyst. So the pathogenesis of the bobhead uh, bob doll syndrome uh, is quite unknown. Uh, there are three scenarios. One potential theory is imbalance of the CSF flow at the third ventricle, um, which potentially could cause compression of the dorsomedial red nucleus and dentate or rubrothalamic pathways. Um, a second theory would be uh, a medial thalamic compression, which could lead to medial dorsal thalamic nuclei dysfunction. And then the third theory that could be just a movement disorder uh, because of basal nuclei and um, dysfunction. Uh, and this is based mainly on the fact that sometimes this can be, the head tremor can be seized by volitional activities. Um, and speaking for humans. So the question is what happens in dogs? Actually, in the idiopathic group, we have found nothing, um, nothing at least structural in the MRI. Uh, whilst um, in these cases, uh, that obviously the recording of these cases started by just a, a simple clinical um, observation in daily practice, uh, we found um, lesions that could cause probable uh, narrowing of the mesencephalic aqueduct or lesions that could cause anatomical distortion of the third ventricle or the thalamic area. As it, you can see here, for example, uh, with a supracellular mass or pituitary mass in that particular case. Um, is the episodic head tremor the same as the bobblehead doll syndrome? We cannot know 100%. Um, it's very difficult to make correlations between diseases in humans and dogs. Um, so something to point out is that the bobblehead doll syndrome has a lower frequency and is interestingly idiopathic cases have not been reported in literature um, as we discussed before and probably saw in the video um, the phenotype is not exactly the same um, a question that we really had during this study is that are we missing something in dogs with idiopathic episodic head tremor something like a little tiny um, uh, arachnoid diverticulum that we are missing uh, that could be breed related we, we cannot know at this point. Um, it's important to be aware of other abnormal head movements in clinical practice. For example, geriatric head myoclonus that can be seen in uh, Cavalier King, King Charles or other aged dogs, intention head tremors that can be seen in cerebellar disease, dystonic head tremor that was recently reported along with paroxysmal dyskinesia, focal epileptic seizures, or even other uh, more rare movement disorders. Uh, the limitations of this study was the fact that it was a retrospective uh, one. 
um, there was non-standardized diagnostics uh, or treatments for uh, all the cases throughout the multiple referrals. Um, there were few cases to follow up, uh, lack of video footage from all the cases, incomplete characterization of the tremors within the records, especially the older uh, records, uh, and obviously it is impossible to clinically prove the cause-result relationship. Um, so, for me, the take-home message would be um, just to remember that there is a characteristic phenotype of the episodic head tremor, non-intentional head tremor, um, which is almost the opposite from intention head tremor. Uh, it could potentially serve as neurolocalizing tool, uh, potentially uh, indicating, along with other uh, neurological signs, um, a potential involvement of thalamus or mesencephalic aqueduct. Um, and the importance uh, of this particular study regarding the structural group, I would say, is that older dogs um, and dogs with accompanying neurological signs um, were more likely to have structural episodic head tremor. And therefore, this group would potentially lead us to consider neuroimaging. Um, whilst in contrast, if we will have a very young dog that is very well known or, or very presented breed, um, we don't have to push the owners for, for an MRI of the brain, although we can always offer it. Um, I would like to thank all the uh, commando team from all over um, Europe um, in that case that helped with uh, the study. Without them, we wouldn't really be able to do that. Um, and uh, you can find the study online in the uh, GVIM. Um, and you are more than welcome to go for questions. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Fanis. It was excellent presentation. Um, let's start with some questions. If you have any questions, please post them. But there is a, a, a couple at least um, to consider. The first one is from Cecilia, which is a, a very an excellent question, I think, because it was a practical is a practical question. Um, you know, on the dog with this kind of phenotype, um, when will you advise the owner? to consider further test? What will be you know, your guidance to the people listening to us? I think nothing is black and white. So I cannot say um, a big rule for all the population. I think it's case by case assessment. The important uh, conclusion, as I said, is that it is important to gather all the clinical features. For example, I would really uh, take um, uh, into account the accompanying neurological signs. If the dog has like other, for example, thalamic or forebrain signs at the same time with the onset of the episode of head tremor um, and is an older dog, I would possibly consider neuroimaging. Um, it's important to remember that a little minority of the dogs presented with just episode of head tremor were misdiagnosed as idiopathic and in one month they came back with other signs. So you can always misdiagnose and then they can come back with more signs. So it's something to keep in mind. So we can offer to any dog, but it's important to keep all the uh, clinical features um, in the discussion. So in summary, mostly if it's a young dog, no neurological sign, well, you could do imaging, more likely you're not going to find anything, but sometimes it's what it takes to reassure the owner. And I think you've probably seen it on clinic and, you know, the, for a lot of pet owners, having a dog doing that is quite distressing. And uh, sometimes I think the reassurance, there is nothing on MRI is what they need to accept yeah. that, you know, wait and see. If it's an older dog, and especially if you have neuroscience, then that's where we should do, you know, further tests. Another question, um, how many patients with pituitary mass had sign of Cushing disease? If I remember well, only one or two of them okay. out of the 
20 something. So waiting for other question. Um, do you have any, I mean, for a lot of pet owners, you know, if when you've been on clinic, you tell them it's a young dog, so they become very stressed. Um, you know, they, they've been told maybe the seizures and you say, no, it's not a seizure, it's a tremor. Uh, they think of the worst and you tell them, well, it's unlikely that you find something, but we could do tests and blah, blah, blah. Um, often what they ask you next, the next thing is what's going to happen in the future. And have you follow this case long term to see what is the natural course of the disease? Um, because obviously to, to, to assess if there is any therapeutic, you know, solution, we need to have a good idea of the natural history of the disease. So can you share with, with you know, the people listening, what have you seen for all these cases as they grow or as they age? Do they get worse? Do they get better? What's happened? I think we have limited um, uh, proper information. Like we don't have a lot of prospective studies to, to go through all the life, like a natural history type of uh, studies in this uh, type of patients so we're really based on retrospective studies or survey studies um so the number one study that was uh, published was the cell et al i think the 12 the 2012 that um, really follows them up some of them and um, the eventual uh, conclusion was that as soon as they get older um the episodic head tremor gets um, uh, less frequent and this was what we found in the very minimal amount of owners that we had the response um, in, in our study. So I don't think we have enough information, but as much as we have on our hands, probably the idiopathic, they get less frequent uh, as soon as the dog is getting older. Uh, probably similar with other movement disorders. Okay. And I think another question just come through, but along this theme, again, a practical one. So we, we've covered basically, should you do further tests? And we say, well, if he's young, unlikely we find something. If he's older, it's worth to do. The next question is, do you advise treatment or not? And if you do, what do you suggest? For the drugs, you mean, sorry, because- Drugs, of yeah, yeah, absolutely, drugs. Um, yes, it's a good question. It's always tricky because it follows the same um, dilemma that we might have in other movement disorders. I think it's a matter of discussion between the vet and the owner regarding what they consider as an acceptable quality of life of the dog. Um, what plays very important role, and it was unmeasurable in the, in the paper, was the violence of the tremors. Um, I, th I think, and this is completely unpublished, um, like from the uh, cases that we, we dealt with them, um, the more violent the tremors were, the more the owners thought that it is a seizure. And it was these cases that they went through MRI uh, and probably uh, the owners wanted to, to treat. Um, so it plays a role to uh, probably reassure the owners regarding the diagnosis and then how much they consider that this is acceptable. So if the owners would like to go ahead with, um, uh, with treatment, some potential treatments that we had given or the literature has suggested was um, uh, gabapentin, for example. Uh, we personally, most of the majority of our cases didn't have treatment and some of them that they had was completely um, a big variety because of the multiple centers. So we had from phenobarbital to gabapentin uh, to levetiracetam. Um, if um, nowadays I think we would probably consider first the gabapentin um, that is less uh, of a strong um, anti-epileptic drug and probably as a second somebody would think of levetiracetam um, as it has been suggested uh, to be used in myoclonic cases. Um, but we don't really have enough evidence that they work. So yeah. It's completely... And 
I plan. think it's, it's probably the same issue as the, the movement disorder. We come down to, without a good idea of the natural history of the disease, on a given dog, it's very hard to assess, you know, treatment response. Because usually, you know, the pet owner will seek veterinary advice in the crisis. So they may have a lot for a short period of time, and if you happen to give the drug then, and then they go through the quiescent period, you may wrongly conclude that he's responding. Yeah. Um, so I, I think for anyone listening, it's always important to get a good idea of what is the frequency, or if there's any pattern of frequency on a given dog, before you try any treatment, before you may wrongly conclude he's responding when he may not have been meant to have any episode you know, during uh, this period of time. Also, we see dog having this tremor, this head tremor when they're in a stressful situation. So I remember vividly dog being admitted for internal medicine, coming for something totally different, and then being called by the medic because the dog was doing that. But it was probably triggered by the stress of the dog, you know, being hospitalized and, and things like that. So I think considering the environment and when it happened is also uh, probably an important you know, factor um, as well. There is a question about Tanya asking, would fluoxetine be worth trying? I don't know if you can share any, anything in light of what we just discussed, you know, is what is the natural history and to be able to assess beef with and without treatment. I personally don't have experience of fluoxetine in this disease, um, but um, there are studies regarding paroxysmal dyskinesia, for example, that they use fluoxetine. Um, but again, these studies do not evaluate uh, how fluoxetine works. So I think we have the same question that is unanswered, uh, whether the fluoxetine will make the job or the AIDS will make the job because the dog will grow up. Um, as a, as a general rule, if we consider this as a movement disorder, it wouldn't be wrong to potentially consider it, but I don't really know if it will work. Yeah, and again, it may just take the edge off, you know, if a stressful event, and it's not always, sometimes it's out of the blue, but if there was a, a stressful, you know, component to that, it may just take the edge off, and that's why they may be non-specifically responding, you know, to that um, as well. Um, Last question, do you find the same breed predisposition in non-structural episodic um, than, I'm not sure, and non-intention tremor group, Bulldog, Doberman? Uh, we definitely had a lot of Bulldogs um, in yeah. both groups, but I'm not sure if we can make the assumption that this is because of the disease or the overpopulation of Bulldogs in London area and in, in general in the UK. So um, I think it's a bit of, uh, we, we didn't have a Doberman. Um, so yes, obviously I, I, I cannot say 100% if the cause uh, makes the result or the opposite. So if we go back to the question whether you know, this was good in any way would have a idiopathic head tremor and by the way it has a pituitary mass and now has a idiopathic head tremor, we cannot know 100%. So that's a question that we don't have the answer. Um, so, yeah, we, we did have some, like as I said, the bulldogs, but I don't know if I can make any conclusion if there was a genetic predisposition anyway at them. Last one. Um, thank you, Fanis. Um, would like to ask whether there is any evidence relating to syringomyelia and structural head tremor. 
we didn't find cases with just uh, serigomyelia to be uh, like to, to be blamed for this obviously because um, serigomyelia was mainly seen in dogs that they were predisposed to have cat-like malformation um, so I cannot really say that we found something like that and obviously any correlation wouldn't be um, um, straightforward because it's also a spinal cord uh, pathology um, no we found only serigomyelia in dogs that were um, like breeds predisposed to have it. Again, I think that's a, I voluntarily choose that question because it's a, also an important take-home message is seringomalia can be seen in, you know, obviously cavalier, but in another breed, a, a word of warning not to associate a lot of, you know, neurological sign with seringomalia and, um, you know, wrongly been associated with deafness, facial paralysis and so on. Um, that's what we call comorbidity. And you know there is no direct link between the two, and um, I'd be surprised if seringomyelia was causing head tremor uh, personally. But you need to be always remember, you know, the principle of comorbidity it doesn't mean that there is a causative relation between uh, between the two. That's it. Thank you so much, uh, Fanis, for this uh, great presentation. I leave Simon the last uh, the last word. Yeah, thank you, Vanessa. That was that was excellent. Great, great study and uh, really well presented. Thanks for that. So thanks for giving up your time and bringing this to us. Uh, thank you to everyone who has tuned in. Um, and thanks to Hallmark again for sponsoring this session. Uh, this webinar will be posted on our YouTube site and the podcast site and um, also on our website, which is web-vetneurology.com. Um, thanks again. Uh, join us in April when we will be discussing a new study on imaging of Chiari. And until then, um, goodbye. Many thanks. thanks.